you would, in your Bible, your smartphone, your tablet, whatever you use to follow God's Word, turn to 2 Kings. We're going to begin reading at uh, chapter 7, begin reading at verse 3. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, well, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, eh, we shall only die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Verse 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Now, God's word is the book that talks about our destiny. God's word will enlighten us about our purpose. As a matter of fact, God's Word tells us how our story will end. But you need to realize that the final result of these things is completely based on us, based on our decisions. How things turn out over the next two years or 20 years is going to be the result not of whether you're black or white or green or purple, whether you're abused or not abused, or whether you, you're liked on your job or not. In the large scheme of things, those things make very little difference. Why? The reason why is because there are people who overcame all of those obstacles and even more to get where they are today and to get to the success that they enjoy today. And so in other words, our destiny is affected by our own decisions. So let me take you to the Word of God to tell you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says that those God foreknew, He also predestined. In other words, he set up everything for them based on his foreknowledge of their decision to follow him. God set up their destiny so that when they made that decision to follow him, it released what he had predestined to occur in their lives. 
So to put it in Bibleese, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. Friend, the Bible is saying that God has things set up for those who love him because we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, not our purpose. And so when you make the decision, not my will, Lord, but yours be done, and you choose God's plan over your plan, then it releases and sets in motion the predestined, predetermined purpose of God in your life. Now, if you can get a hold of this, if you can apply this to your life, you will be able to take back the power over your future from your enemies because you will understand that your enemy has nothing to do with your future. Because the truth is, friend, the only one who can destroy you is you. If words could kill a man, half this room would already be dead. And the other half of the room would have been the ones doing the talking. Now, that was funnier than that. Maybe you're the ones doing the talking, so you don't think it's funny at all. Well, in our text, these four afflicted, wounded, distraught lepers are laying around the gate. They're at a place of transition. They're stuck betwixt and between, waiting on death. And what's interesting is that they did not know that they were just hours away from the greatest miracle that they'd ever seen. And so with that in mind, one of the best pieces of advice that I have ever heard is this. Don't die. Just don't die. I know you're asking all kinds of questions. There's trials and tribulations going on in your life, and you're wondering, how do I solve this thing? How do I fix this dilemma? What should I do? Well, first thing is just don't die. Just survive. Because when you turn your life over to God and you do it His way, God has a plan, and if you will just survive, He will begin to release His purpose in your life. And He will begin to show you how the negative situations in your life were a setup for your good. So these men were disconnected and detached from the city and from all the people with whom they'd had relationships. And they were separated by the magnitude of their problem. Friend, watch out for people who have huge problems. You think because they have a lot of baggage. Well, maybe or maybe not. But the reason why is because these people, they have the potential to be able to impact those around them in a great way. Because here's the thing, people who think that they've arrived, people who think they've got it all together many times cannot be trusted with authority. For they inherently have in their character their propensity, propensity to become arrogant and self-righteous in their own abilities. No one worships God who is worshiping themselves. But when you've given up on yourself, and you realize that you are nothing but a leper. And you begin to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Well, suddenly you become a candidate for a supernatural power and plan that he has for your life. I mean, these men were lepers. They had rotting, infectious flesh. They smelt terrible. And nobody wanted to fellowship with lepers. They were excommunicated from the system. But you see, their greatest weakness was their greatest strength. And their rejection from man made them a candidate for divine direction. Just like if you had been accepted in some of the places that you wanted to be accepted in, well, you would have missed what God had for you. 
You see, because God has a way of finding us in a state of destitution where we are so helpless that we know that we can't fix it ourselves. And that's when God's voice becomes crystal clear. Those times when no one else is talking. Now, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, beautiful or unattractive. There are situations in this life that are going to challenge you. Whoever you are, there are times that you're going to find yourself saying, I need some help. And in your inability to do it yourself, you will discover God because God God is waiting on you at the point of your most extreme stretch, just beyond your grasp. And when we have to rely on him, that's where his power takes over. Listen to me. God is never going to do for you what you can do for yourself. God let it rain down manna from heaven for the children of Israel. But he didn't bring the bread into the house and set the table. They had to get up out of the tent and go get it. And so if you're asking God to do something that you can do, stop it. Don't wake up in the morning and get out of bed and say, well, the Holy Spirit, make my bed for me. It's not going to happen because God is never going to waste his grace and his power and his strength doing things that he's already given us the strength and the power to do. So these four lepers had a revelation. And they say, why are we sitting here until we die? And they deliberated on it because, because no life-changing decisions are made without d- deliberation. They say, if we go to the city, we die. But if we stay here, we also die. But friend, you need to understand that if you deliberate too long, it leads to murmuring and, and it causes your mind to wonder. And anytime you keep thinking the same thing over and over and over again, all you're doing is regurgitating the same thoughts. And if you're not careful, you'll go from deliberating to worrying to murmuring and then to complaining. Because after all, not to make a decision is making a decision. So these guys decided, let's surrender to the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall shall only die. But here's what they said. Here was their thought process. But in either place, even though we could die, at least we will die on the move. Now, friend, I don't know about you, but I am tired of being threatened by life struggles. I've come too far to get to the point and then back up and say, well, suppose I can't do it. Suppose I can't make it. Suppose things don't work out. Sometimes you just have to take a step ahead and you have to make your mind up to take the risk. And if I do die by taking a risk of moving forward, at least you can write on my tombstone, he was on his way someplace. When death tries to catch me, it's going to have to wear tennis shoes because I am not going to sit still. I'm not going to wait for it to overtake me. I'm going to be moving forward. Well, verse 5 says, And they rose to go to the camp of the Syrians. When they came to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. When they got there, the Syrians had become so disoriented and confused that they thought there were all these huge armies coming against them, and so they ran off. Folks, my point about this is when you make the decision to step into God's will, you will think God will cause your enemies to become terrified of you. Had the Syrians known this wasn't anything before raggedy lepers coming at them, they would have never left their camp. 
But God will make your enemies think that you are mightier and greater than you are. And it's such a dichotomy because, you know, we are humble in God's eyes, but he shows us strong to our enemies. And when you walk in humility because you are aware of your leprosy, you're aware of your inadequacy, you still move in might because the enemy hears something coming with you that you don't even know that you have yourself. That's why Psalms 124 says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. We were nothing but a bunch of broke, raggedy lepers looking for a piece of bread, but they ran from us because they thought that we were tougher than we were because the Spirit of God confused them, and the Spirit of God was with us. See, on your Christian journey, you go from faith to faith. You go from glory to glory, and you're tested on one level, and then you go through a transition to the next level. And like with these lepers, the transition in God can happen so quickly and so suddenly that you see yourself from the basis of where you were, but you find yourself in a new place, and you really don't even know how you got there. Some of you right now, God is moving you through transition because of the decisions you've made to go deeper in Christ. And it's the strangest feeling because you haven't got locked into your future yet, but you're locked out of your past. You don't do the things you used to do. You don't run around with the people you used to run around with. And so you can't benefit from who you were, and you can't capitalize yet on who you're going to be, and so you're stuck somewhere in between in no man's land. It's like being somewhere between a caterpillar and a butterfly. I can't fly but I refuse to crawl anymore. There's really not a name for what I am, but I am a new creation in him when I choose to move forward in the plan that God has for my life. So these lepers are going through transition. They're tired of sitting at the gate, wasting away. And they're about to come into something new, and they don't know what to expect. They said, well, if they keep us alive, we'll live. If they kill, kill us, we die. I mean, can you imagine... Imagine with me walking towards something and not knowing whether it is your death or your destiny. But you see, that's what it takes to be an overcomer. Because every time you move from faith to faith, every time you go from glory to glory, you really don't know whether this is going to be the thing that takes you out or the thing that takes you over. And when we're honest, there is a degree of apprehension because faith is incubated in the furnace of apprehension. But it's at that point that you recognize your own insufficiency that your faith will begin to flourish. So the lepers take off. They're going to take the risk. Can you imagine the conversation? Oh, man, I don't know. But I do know this. You've always been there for me in the middle of my trouble. When I was cold, you let me have your coat. The other one says, when I was hungry, you let me have that piece of bread. And so they go, and one beggar, he says, there's not nothing I wouldn't do for you. The other leper says, there's not nothing I wouldn't do for you. So they go down the road to the Syrian camp doing nothing for each other. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you're a tough audience today. Either, either I'm, I, you know, I'm really stinking or you guys are kind of in a turkey coma. 
And so uh, I promise this will taste a lot better if you help me out a little bit. And so um, anyway, you know, just for that, just for that, here in a little bit, I'm just going to meddle a little bit. I'll just start meddling. And so I'll, I'll show you guys. But it's interesting. Some people, you know, they want to talk about how much faith they have. But when you're making a transition, you know, you need to think about how much fear you have because you don't know whether you're going to make it or not. Preachers like to talk great faith. That's our job. But there have been many times in my life that my heart has jumped up into my tonsils and slapped my teeth in the face. And I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so these lepers, they don't know whether they're walking towards their death or walking towards their destiny. And some of you right now, your food's not digesting very well because you're going after something. You're chasing something in God, and you're not even sure what it is. And you're, you're quoting faith. You're quoting scriptures. You're doing the best you can, but at 3 o'clock in the morning or driving down the road by yourself, all of these contradictions start coming up. The devil sits right on your shoulder or even right on the tip of your nose screaming these things to try to crush your faith. Well, the marriage isn't working. What, what, if, what if I can't get the kids through school? I mean, I, I know we're trying to do something, but what if we have to close the business? I mean, I know the Lord, the Lord is helping us out, but we're two months behind in our rent. I want you to know, friend, there are times when faith is not a walk in the park. It's a walk in the dark. Well, they arrive. And you know, isn't it interesting? And I don't know if this is you, maybe it's just my personality. But whenever there's something I'm concerned about, it's never as bad as the devil makes me think it's going to be. Have you ever noticed that? The monster around the corner is never as big and ugly and gruesome as I perceive him to be in my mind. So the lepers say, hey, nobody shot us. Now we had to overcome some stuff, but, but we're not dead yet. Another one says, hey, we've been through hell and high water, but, but we're still breathing. And so they arrive at the camp and they couldn't find the trouble. Have you ever had things go so well that it scares you? You know, it's going great, but then you think, oh my goodness, Lord, they're going to drop out of the rafters and shoot me with machine guns. Obviously, I watch too many shoot em up movies. But you see, that's what Psalms 42.5 is talking about. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. In other words, self, what are you so upset about? Don't you trust God? Don't you know who your heavenly Father is? Don't you understand that the reasons you were able to step forward into your destiny is that God drove your enemies out before you? But come on. I mean, is it really possible that God would bless a leper? Someone who society has cast out? Someone who people look down upon, but yet God would bless them? I mean, could a man who's been thrown out of society's circle be invited into the circle by the Lord? You see, this is the kind of blessing that you really can't shout out loud about because, because you're nervous about it. 
You're happy, but, but you're also a little bit scared on, on one part because you're scared it's not going to last because, you know, you've been through so much pain. You've been through so much rejection. You've had so many disappointments in life that you don't want to mess this up. And so you take one day at a time. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this blessing. Lord, I thank you for today. Then a couple of days go by. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this week. Oh, God, you're so good to me. But all the time you're praying, Lord, don't let me fumble this. See, the lepers didn't know why they were there. They didn't know what they were going to find. And so the first thing is you've got to recognize where you are. But then you've got to understand why you are where you are. Verse 8 says, and these lepers went into the tent. And they ate and drank and carried from it silver and golden clothing. But then notice what they did. They went and hid it. They found all of these benefits and advantages, but they didn't want anyone else to know about it. It's just like we do sometimes. We get a new suit or a new dress. Someone comes up and says, oh, man, you got some new clothes. Oh, no, these old things, no, I just found it in the back of the closet. No, 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 no. We don't want to tell people when we get a blessing. Well, then the lepers, they went in another tent. They got some finances increased. They got some talents that, that came to light that they didn't really know they had. But then they went and they hid those. And they begin to struggle with the struggles of success. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. Failure and success, they're both struggles, but they are different kinds of struggles. And so if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to understand the principle of first fruits. And if you don't understand this principle, you're never going to be able to hold on to the things that God blesses you with. And what's really amazing is that these four guys discovered the principle of first fruits without a Bible, without going to church, and without even the help of a TV evangelist. They discovered it on their own. I mean, these guys are sitting there, and they have just won the lottery. But then notice in verse 9, they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning, some punishment is going to come upon us. Something bad is going to happen if we continue to hide this blessing. And so my question to you, is it possible that God lets us stumble on something, but it's not just for us? Could it be possible that I need to share what I know? Should I go public and tell people what I've learned? Or should I hide what I found and watch you struggle with where you're trying to get to? I mean, how can I know what I know but watch you die simply because I won't share? Folks, listen to me. Everything in your life rises and falls on this principle of first fruits. The principle of first fruits. Because we are spiritual beings. We are created by the Heavenly Father. And this is the principle that he put into play. And it is an important principle, just like gravity is an important principle of this universe. 
And we have to grasp this principle of first fruits if we are ever going to hold on to the success that God wants to give us. Exodus 13, verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn of the children of Israel, both man and beast. God says, It is mine. First fruits all belong to God. Now, Satan understood this principle. Satan wanted to destroy what God loved, and he understood that Adam was the first. He was the first fruit. So even though Satan used Eve, he used Eve to get to Adam. Satan said, if I can get the first fruit, then I have gotten what belongs to God, and then I can mock God. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, God, look who I corrupted. You see, because the first fruit represents everything that comes after. And that's why Romans chapter 5 says that sin entered the world through Adam. Adam was the first fruit. Adam sinned. And that's how sin entered the world. But you see, the problem is that with the church today, I mean, so many Christians think that, that they've arrived. We sit here with our arms crossed looking around daring the preacher to bless us when we should be reaching for the rafters blessing our God who looked beyond our faults and saw our needs. Up under our fancy facade, we've forgotten that we were nothing but raggedy lepers, drug addicts, alcoholics, adulterers, pornographers, liars, gossips, cheaters, thieves who stumbled upon the greatest treasure ever, Jesus Christ. God help us today to remember what he delivered us from and so we quit hiding what God did for us and give him the praise that he deserves. God blessed Joseph first. Joseph rode right behind Pharaoh, but Joseph didn't let his brothers die in the famine while there was bread right across the street. Friend, you have got to tell somebody. You have got to go and reach somebody. You've got to share with them what God did. You've got to share your story. We have got to stop hiding what God did for us and tell somebody that God stood up when we were just an old leper and we did not die. Well, you know, that sounds good, and, and we say man and stuff, but a lot of Christians don't want to do that because we are stuck in the victim syndrome. We are used to being the victim. People like that, they go to people to get something. People like that, they come to church to get something. And if it's not about them, then it's not about anything. If it's not about me, I'm not interested. But I want you to know today, friend, God wants to transform you from being a victim to being a victor. And we need to grow out of the me mentality. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The Bible says you shall lend and not borrow. God gives seed to the sower, not to consume on ourselves, but to plant into his kingdom. Now, this really isn't a message on giving, but I am going to throw my two cents in. Well, the way my response is, it's not worth a nickel. Just kidding. Kidding. Lighten up, folks. Lighten up. I mean, if you've been sitting on your hands up till now, you're really going to sit on your hands when I get through with this part. 
But you know, everybody, everybody wants to talk about their money. My money. It's my money. A couple gets married. It's not our money. It's my money and her money. I mean, I, I don't understand that. You know, we are so concerned about, about it's my money, it's my money. But I want you to understand something, friend. The first 10% of your money is not yours. It belongs to God. The first, the principle of first fruit says that you pay your tithe before you pay your bills. Oh, pastor. <laughs> You're talking heresy now, my brother. Things are tight. Don't you know that it's Christmas time? I understand all that. But friend, we're talking about being blessed by God. And money is a perfect example of that. But this covers every area in your life that God deserves the first fruits. But, but money points it out. And you need to understand that it's not the 10% that initiates the blessing. It's not that bit of money. It is the faith that you use to give the 10% before you pay your bills that initiates the blessing. And when you decide to honor God with your first fruits, which is putting God first in every area of your life, not just your finances, but your time, but your relationship. And when you put God first, you will be blessed and it will make a difference in your life. Because after all, let's cut to the chase. You were saved because of first fruits. I started to say, if you make it to heaven, that sounds too bad. When you make it to heaven, it is all going to be because of first fruits. Do you know why? Jesus Christ was first fruits. God said, all I need to redeem all men is one man. And when Christ died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose up, we rose with him. Jesus Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection. Now, it's not the big deal that he got up because others got up from the grave also. The Shunammite woman's son got up, but he died again. The daughter of Jairus got up, but she died again. Lazarus got up, but he died again. But when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he was alive then, he's alive today, and he will be alive forevermore. And he said, because I live, you shall live also. So it is because Jesus Christ, the first fruits, is alive today that you and I have any chance at all of making it to heaven. And if it works for our salvation... Think what it will do in every area of our life. But you see, even though we know that, we continue to consume our first fruits on ourselves. We think if we give God two or three hours a month by attending church, that we're doing him a big favor. I've told you this before, and it blows my mind. People think if they come to church once a month in this modern day that they're a regular church attendant. Try going to work once a month and see how long you keep your job. We give God $5. We think we're doing him a favor while we spend $5.73 on a glorified cup of coffee. 
We won't even pray over our Big Mac and French fries, much less spending time in his presence, in his word, and in prayer before him. And we can't figure out why our life has no power in it. We wonder why the devil is using us as a punching bag. Friend, I want you to know you don't have to keep this cycle of getting up and falling down, getting the victory and losing the victory, getting some money, losing some money, starting a business, losing the business. I am tired of this cycle. I want to be resurrected with Christ, and I want to stay resurrected with Christ because Jesus is the first fruit, and when I honor him with my first fruits, I will be blessed in every area of my life. So the lepers were faced with a decision. Do we take this advantage that we have? The gold, the resources, talents that God blessed us with, and do we keep it to ourselves, we four and no more, or do we take our message back to the city where there's famine, where there's destitution, where there's people who are lost, where there are people who need to know that God can save someone like me from the depravity I was in, so that means God can save someone like you. Do we need to take it back and honor God with the first fruits of what he has blessed us with? Bow your heads with me if you would. 